blessed and highly favored to have such talent here in your church. We're so excited uh, about what God's doing and how he inhabits the praises of his people. Aren't you glad that one day, about 2,000 years ago, everything changed? Because before that day, we lived under the penalty of the law. But thank God, on a hill where three crosses stood, Jesus Christ gave his life so that we could all stand here today, sit here today, raise our hands in freedom and worship the King of Kings. I'm excited about that today. It's an amazing thing that when he died, it ripped that veil in two. Before then, we had no access to God. But now, because of his sacrifice, we can go into his presence by simply speaking his name. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You don't have to be in this building like pastors. You can be anywhere and whisper the name of Jesus and he shows up. Let the veil down, let the praise go up. 
Hallelujah. If you don't know what you're feeling right now, that is the presence of God Almighty. I, I think it's incredible that uh, somewhere back in there before we had watches, God stepped out on the balcony of nothing and spoke the worlds into existence. I think it's even greater that on day two, maybe three, whatever it was, he said, you know what, I'm going to take all of this blob of whatever and call it day and night. And then he created all the beasts and all the other things. And then on the seventh day, he rested, right? He made man also, but he made man a little different. You know how he made man different? Everything else was made programmed. The birds just know when to fly south. And they know when to come back. The animals all know. But he made us a little different. He put within us a free will. Why? Because he wanted us to love him back. And that's what we've been doing here this morning is loving him back. And that's what draws him near when we love him back. Isn't that wonderful? That's a wonderful thing. Now, I don't know what you walked in here with today. You may have walked in here with troubles and trials and all kinds of stuff. Most of us probably did, whether we show it or not. A lot of times we kind of wear a mask. But I'm just telling you, you're in the presence of the King of King today. And he is awesome. And he is your Savior. He's your Redeemer. He's your help. He's your hope. Mm, yeah, yeah. Some say. 
say he was just a prophet. Some say he was just a man. Others claimed he could heal the sick with just one touch of his hand. He's been called a healer, a man of philosophy. But I'm here today to tell you just who Jesus is to me. He's a healer, he's healer, he's the son of righteousness. Messiah, provider, and in him I put my trust. Cause with his holy blood he purchased my liberty. Say what you will. Today, what Bartimaeus would have to say after Jesus touched his blinded eyes, gave him back his sight that day. The man whose hand was withered, Jesus made it just like new. Oh, Jerry's little daughter, who Jesus called back from the tomb. He's a healer, revealer, he's the son of righteousness, Messiah, provider, and in him I put my trust.
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is what you need. He is what you need and will meet you at that need. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. Amen. Can I sing one more? Is that okay? Some years back, uh, just after the ark landed, I was in church one night on a Sunday night, and uh, I was doing what we do when church is over, Brother Baldy. I was just turning lights off and locking doors, you know. And uh, I looked back off the platform, and a young man walked in the door, and he made his way over to the corner behind the column over there. He was kind of hiding. We used to call it white knuckle in the pew. <laughs> Grabbing that pew, you know. I knew what it was about. See, he was waiting for people to leave because he was inching his way down from column to column to column, hiding behind the column. He was making his way to the altar. And so I waited until he got almost to the altar, and then I just went over and met him at the altar over there. Young man had grown up in the church. He knew what it was all about. He had heard every Sunday school lesson. He had received the gift of the Holy Ghost, been baptized in Jesus' name. He knew about this faith, but he had gotten mixed up in a lot of stuff happens don't know how but it does he'd gotten away from God and he knew that he was in trouble he knew he needed some changes in his life I met him there at the altar and we prayed for a good while and God really touched his life kind of flipped things around and so that night we said our goodbyes he made his way out and so I just continued on turning off lights and and when I came back to the sanctuary everybody was gone except for in the center aisle there was a group of mothers having a conversation, and as I walked by them, I, asked, I heard one of the mothers ask this young man's mother a simple question. She said, what do you do when you've raised your kids in church? You've been in church forever, and, and they know right from wrong. They've heard all the lessons. What else can you say to them? They've received the Holy Ghost. They know what it feels like to be in the presence of God, and then they slip away and get involved in stuff. What do you do? And she said, well... I don't have any magical answer for you. I don't have any pixie dust, and I don't have any, there's no magic to this. I just know this one thing, that when it's your child, you just keep believing. You hang in there. Well, that, you know, it registered, but it wasn't like a very impactful thing, and I kept, I kept walking and didn't think too much about it, and a week or so passed, and I was leaving the office one day at the church. I got in my car, and it's oftentimes when you are a writer, you, you kind of feel creative or whatever. And I was praying, as I often do, God, if you could say anything to the world you want to say and allow me to set it to music, what would that be? If, if, if you could just, what, what, what would the message be? It's just a simple prayer. And just like that, I started singing this song, Top the Bottom. Never changed a word. Top the bottom, just like I'd known it all my life. He says that we all face stuff and dreams get dashed and hopes go away. But there's one thing that's constant. The word of God. And if we put our faith, hope, and trust in the word of God, God is faithful and just to answer all the prayers and all the promises are yea and amen. Well, uh, a couple
couple of years passed and a group wanted to record the song, pretty well-known group, and, and so they were thinking about it and so they, they finally made the decision to do it and the leader's wife walked in and said, said listen to this song and tell us what you think. So she listened and, and the more she listened, the redder her face got and she got more visibly upset and when it was over, uh, she said, I would never sing that song. I, I wouldn't sing that song ever. There's no payoff. Oh, what? You'll be fine. Just keep believing. There's no payoff in that. There's no promise in that. I just left the hospital. My, my best friend is dying with stage four cancer. A few days, maybe. That's all she's got. I'm supposed to walk in and say, oh, you'll be fine. Just keep believing. There's no payoff. I would never sing that song. That's terrible. Well, one of the members of the group was pretty bold. And he said, no, dear, you have missed the entire point. God is faithful and true to his word, and he will do what he says he will do. There's not a promise that he won't fulfill. You've missed the point. The point is, if we hang in there and believe, God will answer prayer and heal on this side or on the other. Either way, we win. Either way. When troubles rise and catch you, Unaware. The day to day of living seems unfair. So you try again at all of your dreams and plans, but they end up in defeat. And the fancy frills that are once fulfilled now leave you incomplete. And you wonder where your life. can't find peace friend your hope's not gone it's just been too long since you've had to believe so keep believing in what you know is true keep believing you know the Lord will see you through and when troubles rise in your life and you don't know what to do you'll be fine if you'll just keep believing the enemy can only bring defeat if he can somehow shake what we believe so our faith cannot be based upon only what we see or feel and the circumstances cannot change what our hearts know to be cloud your mind my friend don't be deceived for with the knowledge of the word of God in our hearts we can believe you can take God at his word he is faithful kind and true and not a prayer will go unanswered in his time 
Praise your name, oh God. God is so good, and he's so faithful to us. Amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to say what an honor it is for us to be here. Thank you, Brother Balgi, for uh, inviting us, Sister Balgi. What, what great leadership you have here. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. I, I, I love and appreciate pastors and their wives for their sacrifice for the kingdom of God and for the sheep in the flock but what I appreciate even more is seeing a pastor and his wife worshiping God and leading the way in worship and I appreciate that so much it's so awesome and we're, we're just thrilled to be here with you we count it a great honor and thanks to Tony and Emily and Earl for getting us all set up here today thank you and Sandy on the media thank you I, I always want to take time and do that because, you know, if there's feedback, everybody turns around and glares. You know, it's your fault. But if it's all good, the pastor gets all the credit. How's that work? Thanks to all the, all the team. Worship team, awesome job. Everybody. Uh, we walked in the door. Everybody was so friendly. I love friendly people. It makes me think they know Jesus. Amen. I want to turn your attention today to Mark chapter 5. Familiar portion of scripture maybe. Hopefully we can glean something from it. Mark chapter 5 verse 27. I want to talk to you today about one thing that's common to all of us. Uh, me included. I'm in need of a savior. I'm in need of a savior. How many know that today? You're in need of a savior. We all need a savior. Mark chapter 5 and verse 27. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. He jumped to verse 32. And he looked around and about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. She was in need of a Savior. I'm in need of a Savior. 
I think it's wonderful, Pastor. Was it Angie? I mean, what a story. What an awesome thing for the doctors to say, eh, not going to happen. But God. But God. In that moment, Angie needed a Savior. And God stepped on the scene. I've come by to tell somebody today, you may be facing impossible odds and things may be against you. But God, see, when we acknowledge we need a Savior, then God steps on the scene. I'm sure everyone up in this part of the country is uh, well acquainted with Matt Yater. Anybody know Matt Yater from over here in, in Elkhart? Matt's a great guy. Everybody probably knows his story. I won't go into that. Uh, short version is, of course, you know, came out of the world. Meth lab blew up, blinded him, and jail and all this other stuff. And he came out of all that, and God called him to preach. It happens, you know. It happens. And uh, so Matt comes to Bible college, Indiana Bible College. And uh, God's blessing him, and it's an amazing thing that he graduates. And, you know, that kind of takes the props out from under everybody that has excuses. When a blind man steps into a college and says, I will graduate, and does with honors, that kind of takes the excuses away from the rest of us. So Matt feels a tug to do something even greater, and he says, you know what, I want to go study in Jerusalem. I want, I want to go study. And all the odds are against him, but God. And uh, they say, well, the only way you can do that is you have to be Jewish. And Matt's uh, thinking, well, I'm just this guy from Elkhart. And then somebody says, well, have you ever traced your family tree? He says, for what? Well, well look. Guess what? His grandmother was Jewish. Okay. So that puts me in. So he gets, okay, we can start the process. He goes over there. Well, everybody said, you know, you can't do this. You have to have at least two established rabbis to sign for you, and they're not going to sign for you. And he says, okay. Well, did we ask him? You got to know Matt. He's pretty tenacious. Matt, don't give up easy. And so Matt goes, and he is interviewed by these guys, and they turn him down. And all of a sudden, within a few days, both of them call him back and say, Matt, I've changed my mind. I'll sponsor you. But God. See? They sponsor him. And Matt raises some money and decides to move to Jerusalem in Israel and go to the college there. He's got two rabbis sponsoring him. And so he goes over, and he's like, well, i got to find a place to live. And so he... He just rents an apartment. Somehow he hooks up with somebody. and rent, he, he, He's buying into this apartment. It has a lot of students living in it. And it's okay. You know, there's several students. And, and uh, somebody, somebody asked him, he said, well, who's living there? And he started naming all. He says, well, I mean, that's guys and girls and everybody all in the same apartment. He says, dude, I'm blind. <laughs> I, I'm blind. You know, it's not going to matter. And so he rents this space in an apartment. He goes over there and start, you know, starts just talking, doing his thing that Matt does. And all of a sudden, one of them says, now these are all Jewish young people. And they say, Matt, I want to ask you a question about the Bible. He says, fire away. And they start asking him not about the Torah. They start asking about the New Testament, which they don't really believe in. And the next thing you know, Matt's giving a Bible study. Now, here's the way things work. Matt's just crazy. He's tenacious. 
and he loves God, and he starts teaching Bible studies. You know who he was teaching Bible studies to? One of the members in that apartment was the daughter of the mayor of Jerusalem. He didn't even have a clue. He's just teaching Bible studies. Another one was the son of the chancellor of the university. Had no idea. He's just teaching Bible studies, right? And things are going well, and Matt says, you know, and he's telling uh, We were there with him in Jerusalem, and we were interviewing him. My son was interviewing him for a podcast, and he's telling all these stories. And, and I think, man, this is unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. He said, yeah. He said, but, you know, just about the time you think you've got everything together, and just about the time you think, oh, I found out that her dad's the mayor, and found out that his dad's the chancellor, now I'm thinking, wow, look at me. Look what I'm doing. I'm in Jerusalem. I'm going to the university. Look what I'm doing here. He said, one night, I left the school, and I got on a bus, which that's, you know, how he has to travel. Uh, can't drive, and so he got on the bus, and he was headed home. He said, and I have to be careful because I count the deans on the stops. I have to know which one to get off on. He said, and one night, I got a little distracted. He said, uh, ding, ding, ding. Okay, this is me. He said, I got up, and I got off the bus, and I heard the doors close, and I waited to hear the sounds, the normal sounds of street chatter and people and everything. And the bus pulled away, and I realized it was silent. And I realized I'd got off at the wrong stop. And the stop where I'd got off was really bad area. I reached for my phone, and my phone was dead. And there was nobody. And this was the statement that got me. He said, I realized once again, I'm just a blind man in need of a savior. I'm just a blind man in need of a Savior. I want to tell somebody today, doesn't matter who you think you are or how high you've climbed the ladder. You may be the CEO of your corporation, but you're still just a blind man in need of a Savior. I don't care, it, 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 I don't care what your station in life is. You say, well, I don't have anything. Then you're just a blind man in need of a Savior. I, I got to tell you, I'm just a church punk. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Brother Boggy. I, 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 I love your story. I, I was raised on a fellow named Charles Mahaney. Charles Mahaney was an evangelist in the United Pentecostal Church who came out of prison. He was a member of the Hells Angels, okay? Rode all over California. He burned down places and he beat up people and did all this stuff. His testimony as a young boy, his testimony astounded me. He would come and preach revivals for us and tell all the things. Wow, he had a really gruff voice. He said, yeah, this old dude, blah, blah, blah. We went and burned down his place and beat him up and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, oh, wow, what a testimony. What a testimony. Then he'd come and preach another revival and tell more stories about all the things he had done. And then he would always end, of course, with God's grace and mercy. I brought him out and he got saved in prison. And I would say to myself, God, I need me a testimony. I mean, this guy's got a testimony, God. I mean, he tells this testimony and people respond to that. They, they get it. I need me a testimony. I struggled with this. I got to tell you, because like I said, I'm just a church brat. I grew up around the church. It's all I've ever known. And, and uh, mom and dad did everything in the church. You know, it, it was just us. If, if there was spare time, we were around the church doing something. And I just grew up under the pew. You know, it's all I knew. And I got to get me a testimony, God. Not, no way. I don't want to hurt anybody real bad. You know, I don't, I don't really want to go to jail. But uh, what can I do that's kind of semi-bad so I can get me a testimony? I'm just being honest. I mean, you know. And so one night while Brother Mahaney was preaching, I was sitting there whining to God about my testimony or lack of, and God tapped me on the shoulder. He said, son, let me ask you, why are you asking for a testimony? Don't you realize your testimony is greater 
Why? Because I kept you from all of that. I could have allowed you to get mixed up. I could have allowed you to do all those things. But somehow, through grace and mercy, it was not of my own. I was not worthy, but somehow he looked down on this worthless little kid and said, I got my hand on your life, and he spared me from all of that. See, I still needed a Savior. It doesn't matter that I was raised in church. It doesn't matter that I, I grew up knowing nothing but lifting my hands and worshiping God. There was still darkness in my heart, and I still needed a Savior. What are you saying, Brother Pedagog? I'm saying everybody in this place, top to bottom, wall to wall, needs a Savior. There's going to come a moment in your life when you're going to face something you cannot deal with, and we're going to need a Savior. We have it all together. Yeah, we have it all together. But we're just blind men in need of a Savior. The Bible, a portion that I read, here's this woman who is, who is in need. She, she comes to Jesus. She just heard about him, and, and it was a wonderful story. She came, and, you know, the Bible doesn't even give us her name or anything, but it just tells us what she did. She came to him not because she had a relationship with him yet. She came to him just because she had heard about him. Now, I don't know what brought you here today. Maybe you just heard about him and what he can do. That's a good thing. Because everything people say he can do, he can do. She came to him in faith, believing, if I can just touch his garment. If I can just, I don't need to have a conversation with him. I don't need somehow to, to, to be astounded by the miracles. I, I believe in my heart and mind. Why did she believe that? Because she had run out of resources. The Bible says she had spent all of her money. She had been to doctors. She had been to surgeons. She had tried everything. She didn't need a surgeon. She needed a savior. She needs somebody that could do something that doctors could not do. She needed a Savior, and she came to him. And it's amazing the story how she comes through, and, and she's just a part of the crowd. But when she sees him, something inside of her says, not enough. I've got to touch him. I've got to touch him. It's not enough just to be in the crowd. I want to tell you, you may have come in this building today, but it's not enough just to come in here and sit wherever you're sitting today and say, well, if I just get close... Well, if I just kind of stand here while everybody else worships. No, there comes a moment in time when you have to worship for yourself. You have to open up your heart. You have to release yourself and let God touch you. You have to pray your own prayer. I cannot repent for you. I can't ask God to fix everything for you. At some point, you have to say, God, I need a Savior. I need a Savior. I can't do that for you. I cannot do that for you. You have to say, I need a Savior. And suddenly the realization came over her. I've got to get to Jesus. And she began elbowing her way, pushing through that crowd. And she touched his garment. Just touch. Just touch the hem of his garment. Oh, she knew better than to touch his hand or his head. That would have been appropriate. In that day, that would have been horrible. She would have been kicked out. She said, but if I can just touch the hem of his garment. I'm just telling you today, you don't have to make a big show. You don't have to. All you got to do is in your heart say, God, I need you. I need you. He's here right now. He's close enough for you to touch him. When you whisper his name, he's right there. And he's walking up and down the aisles right now. And he's waiting for somebody to say, God, I need a Savior today. She touched him, and of course he turned, and he said, wait, 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 somebody touch me. And the disciples, I want to point out something to us all today. The disciples did what we often do. I mentioned, I've grown up in the church, that's all I know. Do you know we can get numb to the moving of the Holy Ghost? We can get absolutely numb to the spiritual things of God. The disciples said, oh, Jesus, with the crowd, anybody could have touched you. 
They glossed right over it. He was trying to say, something just happened. A miracle just happened. And the, the apostles said, eh, could have been anybody, Lord. He said, no, something happened because virtue left my body. Now that tells me this. He didn't have to see her, and she just touched the hem of his garment. But it tells me that his spirit is so sensitive that when somebody in need cries out, I need a Savior, his spirit says, wait a minute. Somebody needs me. I'm here to tell somebody today. If you're willing to cry out to Jesus, he's going to answer your prayer. He's going to answer your prayer. So here she is crying out to Jesus, and she pushed her way through the crowd. It's a rough thing. It's a rough thing. We have all sorts of things that we do today and all sorts of movements and, and, and incantations and all things that we do in Christendom today. You know, we lift our hands. That's good. That's what the Bible says. We do all these things. But there's a lot of other stuff that goes on in, in Christianity today that I'm not so sure uh, is scriptural. We take groups to Israel every year, or not every year, but most years. We take groups over and do the tours and everything. But here's what our guide, Yeheskel Rahamim, he's our guide. Here's what he says. I love you people, and I will always take your groups. I don't want anybody but apostolics anymore. He said, because you're the only people that tell the truth. He said, it bothers me when groups come over here and their leaders have them weeping and crying, touching rocks and, and like that's some iconic thing. He said, there's nothing spiritual about that rock. It's just a rock. They have people going up and touching a wall somewhere and crying bitter tears over it. It's just a, it's just a block in a wall. There's nothing spiritual. He said, that's why I love you guys. You tell the truth. So I'm asking him one day about all this. And while we're standing there, we're on the Via Dolorosa, which is the way of the cross, you know. And it's a miraculous thing. They talk about the Via Dolorosa and the way of the cross where Jesus carried the cross. And I'm looking at Hezzy, and he's looking at me, and he's just shaking his head. And he says, I have to take you through here because it's a part of the tour. He says, but, Pastor, he said, you know what, what I'm going to say. We don't know. The city's been completely destroyed seven times. We don't know what the path was. Now, he set that up to say this. We turned one corner, and there's a station of the cross. And there's a block on the wall that's kind of indented. And people are lined up coming down there, putting their hand and their face and kissing that block. I said, Hezzy, what's the deal? He said, well, that station number, whatever it was, he said, that's where they believe Jesus fell with the cross. And uh, the Cyrene, you know, Simon the Cyrene picked up his cross. And when he fell, he touched that block. Seriously? But there was a line of people. Crying bitter tears, walking by, touching that, rubbing that block, kissing that block. Oh, now I'm not making fun of them. I'm not at all making fun of them. What I'm saying is, I wanted to cry out, wait, 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 that rock cannot do one thing for you. Touching that rock will not heal your body, it will not save your soul. But Jesus Christ, you've got to get to the real rock. If you need a savior, that rock won't do it. You've got to cry out to the King of Kings. That rock cannot save you. It cannot heal you. It cannot do what you want it to do. You need a Savior. It goes further. They took us around, finally brought us to the church there where the supposedly his body was planted, uh, was, was, was buried. And, and they're inside the door. It's, it, it's an old, old chapel church. And, and right inside the doors, there's this big marble slab laid out and and so we're standing there, and again, Hezzy says, he says, well, traditionally, this is what they say. They say this is where they laid his body for preparation for burial. Okay, let's go. 
That's his way. Traditionally, I need to tell you because this is what the tour says to tell you. But he always says, or letting us know, it's just a rock. We're standing there looking at that slab of marble. And all of a sudden, there's a commotion behind. We look back, and here comes a woman who has crawled on her hands and knees across the cobblestone entry to the church. Bloodied hands, bloodied knees, crawling across. She's elbowing her way through the crowd, our crowd, our group, 30 people from the from, uh, U.S. She's pushing her way, and she's crying, crying. And she pushed her way through our crowd, got up there, and laid on this marble slab, crying bitter tears. Again, my heart broke. Why? Because laying on that slab won't do it. You've got you've to get to the Savior, not that marble slab. That means absolutely nothing. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? There's all kinds of things we call iconic in Christianity. You've got to lay all that aside. What you need to do is find an altar somewhere and get on your knees and cry out, I need a Savior! I need a Savior! Oh, the rocks won't do it. The rocks just won't do it. I'm just telling you, it's a hard thing. Matthew, or the verse 28, what we read. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. Here's what it says, Matthew 9, 21. Same thing, just said a little differently. For she said within herself, if I, might, but if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. Now, it's interesting. She said within herself. It's interesting, and it's very important what we say in front of other people. But I'm just telling you, it's more important what we say within ourselves. What we really believe down on the inside is more important. And she wasn't just doing anything for anybody else right now. There was something inside of her that says, hey, it's time to get real here and I've got to have a Savior. There's no other resource. I've been to all the resources. I've checked out all the doctors. I've checked out all the surgeons. There's nowhere else to go. And she finally inside herself said, I need a Savior. She's not the only one, though. If we recall, we sang about it today, Blind Bartimaeus. What did he do? He sat on the, on the corner of the street there and when he heard that Jesus was coming by he began to cry out oh master son of David have mercy on me and the cry the crowd tried to quiet him down no 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 don't disrupt everything is this is Jesus he's coming and he said he cried all the louder the Bible says I need a savior I need a savior and Jesus goes over he's not the only blind man that got healed there was two two got healed but they were crying out oh son of David I need a savior see it's a very important thing what you say to yourself and when you get past all of those things that should matter and you start crying out finally he hears and he begins to answer he begins to answer you say well I don't deserve it I don't you don't know who I am you don't know who I am the Bible talks about the Canaanite woman who came to Jesus now they would have been considered dogs in the day they were not social uh, acceptable you know people and so Matthew 15 and 22 says, And behold, a woman from Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. She crying after us. And he answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Why would I come to you? You're socially unacceptable. But then she worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. And he said, it's not meat to take the children's bread, meaning the Israelites, and cast it to dogs, which she was considered. And she said, well, that's true, Lord. But even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. And when she said that, it broke his heart. And he said, you're right. You go your way. 
And your daughter's going to be made whole. I'm just here to tell somebody that it doesn't matter where you came from or what your station in life is. It doesn't matter whether you're socially acceptable or not. It doesn't matter how somebody else feels about you. What you have to do within yourself is say, I don't care what you think. And I don't care where I come from. I know he loves me. And he wants to help me. And you cry out to him and it's a powerful thing. The blind men cried out. It was a powerful thing. And Jesus healed him. He healed him. I just want to say to somebody today, if you need the Lord, if you need healing, if you are in a situation that you can't get out of, and you don't know what tomorrow brings, you don't know what tomorrow holds, there's a Savior in the house. There's a Savior in the house, and He's here to fix what's gone wrong. Mark 5 and 30, and Jesus immediately knowing in Himself that virtue had gone out of Him, turned in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Who touched my clothes? That's what he's asking today. Who's reaching out? Who's touching me? Who's seeking me? Somebody's in need of a Savior. So I'm asking you, who's reaching out? Who's crawling through the crowd? Who is it that has a need today? Somebody in this building, a crowd this size, somebody has a need. Are you? Oh, we all going to say, oh, we're all perfect. We're all good. Everything's great. Not a problem. There's not a problem on my job. There's not a problem in my family. There's not. Oh, if you're saying that, then maybe you don't live in the real world that I live in because there's a problem on every job and there's a problem in every family. There is no perfect utopia here. Everybody has a need, and I'm just telling you there's a Savior here in the house today. He knows the numbers of hair on your head. The Bible says that. He knows whenever sparrow falls. But it also says he also looks down on all the human race and says, I love them even more. He loves you more than all of that today. And he's waiting on the balcony of heaven for somebody to cry out, I need a Savior. I need a Savior. I need a Savior. I love the song, the old song. It's old now. It's not a hymnal type, but it says, oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. I'm just here to tell you. He died for you. His stripes were for you. Healing comes to you because he loves you. The woman with the issue would not be denied. And neither would the blind man. So I'm asking today, where do you stand? Where do you stand? If, if you need a touch from Jesus today then opinions don't matter. If you need a touch from the Lord today, if you really need a Savior today, it doesn't matter what anybody in your family thinks, and it doesn't matter what anybody on the pew thinks. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. If you need a touch from the Lord, you've got to get past that in your own mind. Well, what will they think? I have known people that said, well, I would go to the altar and I would pray, but I don't want people to know. I, I don't want people to think. What does it matter what people think? We're talking about eternity here. We're talking about your eternal soul. And you're worried about what somebody else thinks? Opinions just don't matter anymore. you got to get past that. Well, you just don't know my circumstances. You just don't understand the problems involved. I'm here to tell somebody today, it doesn't matter the circumstance. And it doesn't matter the situation. We're talking about the God who knows everything and can fix any circumstance or situation. Get past all of that. We're talking about past feelings. Well, you just don't know. I, I would go down, but, but if I, you know, you, I've been hurt by the church and somebody said something to me. Oh, come on. Uh, as one uh, Christian comedian said, put a helmet on. Life's tough. 
People say things that are unkind. But you know what? People are ignorant. They say bad stuff and crazy stuff. It's time to put a helmet on and grow up and say, you know what? I don't care what you say. You can say hurtful things, but I know a God that loves me. I know a God that loves me. And I'm going to get past hurts. I'm going to get past pride. I'm going to get past all that. Why? Because I don't want to go to a devil's hell. I'd rather spend my eternity in a living heaven with the creator of the universe. Get past all of that. Wipe that out of your mind. Well, I just don't want to go down there because I don't want people to, I don't, I don't want people to think. I, I, I don't, I, I, really? Seriously? Naaman said the same thing. But the prophet sent word by his servant girl and said, if you want to be healed, then you'll go dip in that river seven times. Otherwise, it ain't going to happen. I tell you what, that seventh time he came up and his skin was like a baby, he was glad he did what the prophet said. I'm telling somebody today, your answer's here at an altar. Your answer is here at an altar. But you get, you got to get past all that stuff because we all need a Savior. We all need a Savior. Matt said it right at the end of it all. I think I've arrived. I'm now studying at the university in Jerusalem. But at the end of the day, I'm still just a blind man who needs a Savior. At the end of it all, I'm just a blind man who needs a Savior. Somebody today needs a Savior. Somebody today needs a Savior. You've gotten off at the wrong bus stop. Maybe you thought it was right. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. But the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Ask Job. Job didn't ask for anything. Job didn't do anything wrong. God offered him up. He said, consider my servant Job. See, oftentimes we lay it all on Job. Well, what did Job do? Job didn't do anything. It was an answer to Satan's cry that, oh, you've got all of them guarded and God said, no, test Job. He'll be faithful. You can do anything but take his life. And we know how that story ended. He was faithful and God came through. God came through. Maybe you're at a wrong bus stop. Maybe you need healing. Maybe circumstances and situations have come up you can't control. You just need a Savior. This morning, we got up and... Uh, preparing to come to church today and uh, a great friend of mine which you probably uh, you, you probably may or may not recognize her name Pam Knoll great lady known her for years and years and years decades she's been a servant of the king as, as ever since I've known her about two or three weeks ago, something like that, she got very ill. They took her to the hospital. It wasn't COVID-related or anything like that. But uh, they've been running tests on her ever since. And uh, organs were shutting down, kidneys and different things, and testing, testing, testing. And uh, we have all been in contact with her, and she was weakened to the point where she couldn't communicate anymore. So a friend was on her page communicating through Facebook. And got the news this morning that Pam passed away. She was Brother T.F. Tenney's secretary for decades. She was a loyal servant. She did anything for everybody. She was that one friend that was truer than any other friend. She was the one that would do anything for anybody. She served that district of Louisiana. She served Brother Tenney. She served Brother Anthony Mangan faithfully for years. 
And so you, you think, well, how can that happen? Well, things happen. It's called life. But I think it's interesting when we go back. My wife found this post today. The very last post that she personally made on her page. I'm going to read it to you. I want you to understand the message I have today is for every single person in here. Every single person. It's for me. She said, according to one of the doctors passing through today, pain is the evidence of life. And no doubt she was in a lot of pain for the last three or four weeks. No one gets a pain-free life. That said, less than a week in and still waiting for a definitive diagnosis, facing a very unknown future. Here's what I know in this night watch I'm in. God is worthy of my trust. God is stronger than anything that can show up against me. I had a prayerful friend say to me today, all I can do is lay you at the feet of Jesus, Pam. Her quote, all I can say is, it's the only place I want to be. And God answered her prayer today. Now, I'm not here to be morbid, and this is not a scare technique. I'm simply here to say, this great Savior loves you the same way he loved Pam. And whether he answers your prayer here or on the other side, it don't matter as long as he answers that prayer. But that can only happen when your soul cries out, I need a Savior. I need a Savior. Stand with me. Musicians, help me out. God is faithful. God is true. Jesus, here's what you have to know. Jesus did not heal, stop and heal the woman with the issue of blood. He did not stop and heal her. He was passing through. The Bible says he was on his way to the house of Jairus. Because Jairus had approached him and said, My daughter is sick unto death. Would you come and heal her? And Jesus said, I will come. He was on his way to another destination. When she said, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I need a Savior. And because she reached out, he detoured and said, What do you need? Somebody today needs to cry out with your need, whatever that is. Now, you don't have to say it openly. You can stay right there. You can come up here. But somebody needs to find the courage in your heart to say, God, I'm just a blind man that still needs a Savior. We're going to sing. We're going to make a little music here. And I'm going to open up the altar. And I'm going to ask you, like Pam said, all we can do is say, here's the feet of Jesus. She said, that's the only place I want to be. Let me just tell you, you need a Savior today? Feet of Jesus is where you need to be. Feet of Jesus is where you need to be. You need to humble yourself and say, God, I just need a touch in my life. I need healing in my life. I need salvation. And you may be here today and you don't, you don't even know the Lord personally. But let me tell you, it's real easy. All you have to do is repent of your sins. You say, well, do I say it specifically? And Do I have to repent of every sin? No, you don't. You just have to say, God, forgive me of my sin. Wash my heart. Make me clean. I, I don't want anything against me, God. Wash my heart. Cleanse me. 
make me clean. God has promised that he'll baptize you with his spirit. When you go down in the waters of baptism, there's a baptismal tank right here. Let me just tell you, the power that comes through God comes through his name. And when you're baptized in Jesus' name, that means that name now takes ownership of your life. That makes you a joint heir with Christ. And it's the power that gives us strength to make it through every day.